welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 32. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. We are just rocking and rolling through April Autism Awareness Month. Uh, If you haven't seen, if you don't follow me on social media, you may have missed it, but I was actually a guest on another podcast called Miraculous Mamas, and I was just chatting all about autism and autism awareness and some different little facts and tidbits uh, about ASD, and I got to share that with the host, Liz Sandoz, who you might remember from The Bachelor, (laughs) any Bachelor fans out there, Um, but it was really fun, and it was really nice to to share with Liz's audience because it's basically just a show for moms. So it was really nice to get to, you know, spread that awareness and advocate for autism with a different group of listeners who are maybe not quite as familiar (laughs) with autism as my listeners here. So if you get a chance, definitely check that out. I have that uh, tagged in my on my Instagram and the link is on my Facebook. So definitely check that out. Um, Again, I have to say thank you so much to everybody who has reached out and sent messages or written reviews. I appreciate it so much. If you have written a review, thank you. Uh, Especially Apple podcast reviews. Those really help people find the show. So today's episode is a really good one. I am chatting with Katherine Jenkins. She is a mother to three, her oldest, Logan, also a Logan. (laughs) Uh, He has autism and she tells us all about her journey with, with Logan and then also what led her to write her book. She has a, a beautiful picture book called The Inclusion Alphabet. So we get into all that and discuss the, the ins and outs of writing the book and it was, it was really interesting and she was really fun to talk to. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hello. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. I'm so excited to be here. What a cool thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. It is cool. (laughs) It is very cool. I actually just listened to those first two episodes and I'm now going to have to go watch all of the rest. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad. Um, So Catherine and I were just chatting before we started. I was telling her I had came across Catherine as an author. So I had seen somebody else posted her book and I was like, Ooh, I got to get that book. And then, you know, life happens. I forgot about it. And then somehow I came across her actual account and I realized, Oh my gosh, this, this is the author and she wrote the book. So I then just immediately had to, to get her on the pod. So I'm so happy to, to have you here now so that we can talk about your whole journey with autism um, and what led you to write the book. So if you want to kind of take us back to the beginning, that would be great. I would love to. Sure. So, um, yeah, I have three boys. Um, Logan is my oldest and he's eight years old. And then I have a six year old and a two year old. Um, actually just a three year old, just barely turned three. (laughs) Anyway, my, um, eight year old has autism and when he was younger, when he was born, I mean, he's really the reason why this book has come along. I, um, 
in so many ways, he's changed my life in so many great, great, wonderful ways. And then hard ways too. Um, but when he was, he was diagnosed at two years and three months and it kind of started, you know, we, we noticed that he, his speech wasn't coming in, but he was still very young. Um, but he also had head banging. He loved to bang his head and he was banging it on a lot of, a lot of things. That kind of was probably the most concerning thing. We ended up moving his crib and taking the crib away and actually putting in a play yard because one of those kind of playpen things, because it was softer, so he wouldn't bang his head on the the crib rails. Um, And then we did start seeing a lot of meltdowns. He had a lot of peculiar behaviors, like he loved lights. He was not really interested in us at all. Um, He was a really happy baby, though. I have to say he was always (laughs) happy. It was never that he was... The meltdowns were started getting bad around two, but before that, he was very happy. Um, mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder when I was a child. And so mm-hmm. I actually remember when Logan was probably six or seven months, he wouldn't look at me. He didn't have great eye contact, but he was so excited about the lights. So we, I would just turn them on and off and on and off, and he would giggle. Mm-hmm. And I... Um, kind of thought in my head, I wonder if he's a lot like me, because he he was a bit distracted, you know, he didn't seem Mm. very interested in me. And I didn't see autism at that point. Um, I also at the time was a swim coach and did coach a few people that had autism. But I just didn't see it in my son at first. Um, But I did see that something was different and something was wrong, or at least concerning to me. Mm And so we started early intervention services and he qualified. And I think they didn't die. They don't diagnose, at least for us in our state, they kind of come in and do an evaluation and let you know if you qualify, but they don't necessarily give you a diagnosis or anything. And so they just handed me tons of paperwork and just, you know, kind of ideas of maybe things. You're, you're in Utah, right? Yes. So I'm in Utah. Yeah. I always think it's interesting, like state by state, the way that things things go because it seems like everyone has early intervention but it's but it's usually like a little bit different yes some Mm -hmm. of the yes it is and that's what I've experienced too and so yeah in Utah they'll come and they'll do an evaluation and let you know if you qualify for services but they won't say anything really beyond that they're not going to diagnose and they're even I don't know. I think they're careful to not really say much else beyond we're going to help treat. And so they did give me a lot of information. And I felt like there was this one therapist who was wonderful. And she just kept handing me some documents about autism (laughs) in case I wanted to read about it. And I think she knew. Mm-hmm. And once I read through those documents, I remember just sobbing, crying, because I I knew what it was um, in that moment. And so Um, He was diagnosed pretty early, Mm -hmm. but I think we just kind of knew. And honestly, when the diagnosis came, it was a relief because I wanted to know how to help him. I wanted somewhere to start Mm -hmm. that I, you know, somewhere to be because we, I just, in my gut, I knew something wasn't, wasn't the same. It wasn't, you know, what, yeah. yeah. So the game plan, right. I needed Mm -hmm. a game plan. That's exactly it. So Yeah, he was diagnosed, um, and he's a really special kid. He's a really funny kid, and he's also very smart. And those two things are very (laughs) interesting to see together because um, one second you'll see Logan making these jokes that you don't understand, and he laughs at them over and over and over again. Um, And then the next second he 
is just counting over and over and over in his head. Very, he loves to count and pace. So he kind mm-hmm. of will walk back and forth and he loves to do math problems and those kinds of things. And so, um, I always knew he was a really special kid, even before he was speaking, his speech came in at like four years, but he still has a speech delay. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of speech, like I feel like sentences came in all at once. Um, oh, wow. which we were incredibly blessed. I mean, we just felt in that moment when it was happening, I still remember it was like three and a half to four, just, we had huge progress made and I don't, I, I don't know why, you know, honestly, mm-hmm. it just all kind of came in at once. Um, and since then we are, um, our struggles and challenges have been consistent, but they've changed. They're not the same things we were working on when he was two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the main things was that he was not, he still really struggles socially. He really struggles to be a friend. He doesn't know what that looks like. Um, and I think that's partly why my book came about is that I really wanted to be able to tell Logan maybe how to be a better friend to his peers. And I wanted his peers to understand a little bit more about how to be a friend to him mm-hmm. or people who have autism or people who are different. Yeah. So, um, okay. So tell, tell the listeners about your book then. Yeah. So, um, my book is called inclusion alphabet. It's ABCs for everyone. And it's a picture book. But it's also just kind of for everyone. I talk to adults now. It's been so cool. This last, the book was published in October and it's been really cool being able to talk to different people. I've had adult audiences that I've been able to come and talk to. And then I've had book readings at schools and I've been able to talk with um, kids. So I think it's a kind of relatable book to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, it's about a boy who struggles to make friends and then a girl who feels different and a man who meets a stranger that changes his life. And so it kind of goes through that. But each, as you read through the alphabet, um, each word, there's a, the alphabet, it accompanies a word that helps to demonstrate what inclusion is all about. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I, when I first came across it, like I said, um, it just immediately struck me that, cause it, it seems like it's such a simple concept and it's such like an inclusion itself is not it's not difficult to understand include everybody that's it yeah (laughs) but for some reason it seems like there's a lot of roadblocks um so having having a book like yours I just think is so important especially for for younger kids because it just shows them you know those early building blocks of inclusion so that way it's like they just grow up that way that's all they know Right. Yeah. I think, you know, I have a, an inclusion dictionary in the back, the very back of the book, because I chose not to use very simple words. I mean, there, there are words in there that talk about, you know, potential, which is a word that I think none of the kids that I went to a book reading for recently knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. It is a big word and you've got yeah. inclusion yeah. in there and you've got forgiveness and empathy and uh, mindful and words that we often don't accept to kids or even to ourselves like inclusion is a very simple idea but a lot of people don't really know what that means for them you know how do we do it what 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 does it actually mean because we put a lot of definitions on inclusion too a lot of people associate it with schools on just everyone being in the same room 
And I don't view it that way. I think inclusion is a mindset and the way that we just try to include people and try to be more understanding that they should, everyone should be able to reach their potential. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's been a really neat thing to be able to talk more about inclusion with other people and figure out where do we go from here? How do we get a little bit better at this? Oh, completely. Um, it's interesting you say that because I, I was a guest on another podcast. Um, this was a couple months ago. Um, and it's called Access Champions. And the host, basically, the, 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 whole, the whole idea for their podcast is all about inclusion and accessibility for all different kinds of disabilities, um, intellectual or physical. They, and mostly within the arts because the host... He lives in New York City and he has worked in theater for a long time. And it was something that like I listening to him, like when you say like not everyone knows what inclusion is, I didn't even realize that there was like this whole other area of inclusion where it's, you know, it's not just about like inviting your, your classmates to your birthday party. You know what I mean? Like making, making things inclusive for everyone and accessible for everyone. Um, so it's interesting you say that because as, as we were talking about that, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like when I was on that podcast, because it's it's amazing how far we have come in, in the world of inclusion. And yet we still have so far to go. That's exactly how I feel. I do. I feel so grateful that we're in the place we are now because I just think that people are wanting to listen and they're wanting solutions and they're wanting more help with this. And I also think that we're having to kind of break down some stereotypes that we maybe put in years ago about, you know, either everyone needs to be separated or everyone needs to be together one way or another. Um, I had a a mom just recently ask me, she said, well, how do you feel because your son isn't in a, my son is not in a mainstream classroom. And Mm -hmm. she said, don't you feel like your book doesn't explain that well? And I, I've had a few people ask this, but I've been like, oh, no, you know what? I actually think inclusion is all about us just finding ways for everyone to be able to be their best because we're not all going to be best friends, but we Mm -hmm. can include where we can. We can respect that people should have that same opportunity wherever they are. You know, they should be able to be their best. They should be given a chance to succeed and um, definitely invited to birthday parties, too. But we want to (laughs) make sure that they're that we're thinking about it from all aspects and not just one. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. Because, yeah, it's not like we want everybody to to have the same, you know, tools in front of them, because we all need different tools, we all need different things to succeed. So I mean, yeah, the way that we're talking about inclusion now is it's like we, we just need everybody to be, you know, you need to look at them as an individual and think, okay, what, what is the best way to serve this person? And then you move on to the next. What is the best way to serve this person? It doesn't mean we all have to be in the same classroom. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's so funny. Um, so tell me then your, cause you said that your son does have a harder time in like social situations. How does he do at school? School is hard. I feel like home is actually really his safe place. We have a really structured home now because he does well in that. And mm-hmm. so home, we rarely have big problems. Um, school can be hard, though, because there is a lot of change and he can't, you know, he gets frustrated when his peers are not following the rules or if things <laughs> are not going exactly the way he thinks they should. 
And so it's been a great thing for him to work on being more flexible. I feel like the word flexible is a word I use 10 times a day with him. You know, (laughs) we've got to be flexible. We're going to have to be flexible. So, you know, he is working on that. I think he's doing tons better the last few years, but it is difficult for him to do that. With that said, he is a really sweet kid. And like, he's very funny. He loves to play. He loves the idea of a friend. And he tells me everybody is his friend. So he really sees it that way, um, which is wonderful. But he doesn't really know. He doesn't play with them. Mm -hmm. He usually just paces around them or walks around them. Or he'll sometimes have a conversation about Pokemon cards or Minecraft with them if they're willing to listen Mm -hmm. about it. But, um, yeah, that's kind of where he is socially right now. And it's, it's hard. It's wonderful to see him make some progress, but it's still really hard. Oh yeah, totally. Um, how does he do with your, your younger boys? You know, their relationship is somewhat magical. I am kind of amazed by that. They still fight like typical brothers do. And my house is crazy wild. Like I have boys. So they're (laughs) running everywhere. There's socks underneath couches. There's, you know, it's just constantly trying to keep some sort of order in my life. But um, (laughs) they... Cruz was born, Cruz is six. So he was a newborn when Logan was diagnosed. And mm-hmm. I did not plan for Cruz to come quite as, <laughs> quite when he did. <laughs> he was a surprise baby. But the truth mm-hmm. is that I can't imagine where we would be without him now because Logan, Logan was a really busy kid, could not sit still. He never wanted to lay his head down or cuddle with us. And when Cruz came along, Cruz was the most cuddly kid ever. And so he loved to lay. And I really needed that at that time. I was grieving. I was just really struggling to understand what this would mean for our family, how things would change. And um, and so to have Cruz, he really changed my life. And I think he kind of saved our family in some ways. Um, but then Cruz was also an early talker. And so Logan and Cruz really learned to speak together. Mm -hmm. And they learned to do a lot of fine motor tasks together through therapy. And they did a lot of things together. It almost kind of was like we had twins in some ways just (laughs) because we were doing a lot of the same things together. Um, And now as they've gotten older, they do still fight, but they – Cruz still loves to talk for Logan because Logan still has a speech delay, especially especially like an expressive speech delay. He doesn't – it's hard to get information out of him. Mm And, um, Cruz loves to tell me everything about Logan. He's like, Logan wants a snack. And I'm like, we need to get Logan to say he wants a snack. So (laughs) we have that happen a lot. Um, but it's just, they actually do get along pretty well. They have a pretty, they're opposites in almost every way, but they do have a pretty magical relationship. And then my three-year-old is a pretty anxious kid, kind of like Logan is. And, um, they they actually do appreciate each other. They're kind of farther <laughs> apart, but um, and Logan doesn't really doesn't understand how to be as nurturing to him. But he's very he thinks Everett is really funny. Everett is my three year old, and he thinks mm-hmm. Everett is really funny. So pretty much everything Everett does, he laughs at. So there is <laughs> <laughs> some joy there. Um, I I really am so grateful for their relationship because while he really struggles to be very social or to be a good friend, he has these two brothers that love him unconditionally. Yeah, totally. When you were talking about how 
it's hard to have friends in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, well, he's got two brothers though. He's got built. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, you have that to fall back on. Um, it's funny that you, you call it magical. Cause I, I totally agree with you that like the sibling relationship, especially w- when, you know, one sibling has special needs is so interesting. And how you said like your son speaks for him. I, my daughter, she's going to be three. She's almost three. She is the same way. She totally yeah. speaks for Logan. <laughs> and she'll be like, oh, we don't use, like, no one in our family is called by their real name. So we usually call Logan Dee Dee. Oh, okay, her, that's awesome. That's her nickname. She came up with that for, for him. So she'll always be like, um, Dee Dee wants this. Dee Dee wants to watch this show. He wants this snack. And it's like, she just, <laughs> he, like, he's giving no indication if he actually wants these things. So I'm like, I don't know if this is her just like using her like sibling intuition or if it's like right. really just wants it. And she's just like lumping him in with it. Um, but it's so funny because I, I do think like you're saying the, the, the sibling, like pulls out certain things that I don't think like a parent or a therapist or a teacher is able to like, like that brother or sister. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I feel like, I mean, we went through it. There's just some special relationship there that I can't ever, you know, be, I can't do that. And, and Cruz is extremely good at it with Logan. Um, and so is Everett and Everett is very, is only three, but he is very aware of when Logan's having a hard time to mm-hmm. give him space. And he also is very aware when Logan needs a hug or needs me to jump on him. Even if he doesn't mm-hmm. like it, he needs it, you know, and he's mm-hmm. very, I'm kind of always really impressed with that, that they are so aware of their, and it doesn't bother them because we, we do have some situations at school where some kids have been a little bit frightened by Logan when he's had a hard time because Logan can have a meltdown and he might lay on the ground and kind of he can destroy some papers. He likes to throw paper and um, that can be a little bit frightening to other Mm -hmm. kids. But my kids, because they're so used to, I mean, they're so, they just aren't scared at all and they're very loving and Mm -hmm. really sweet. So, yeah, that's, that's exactly how my daughter is too. And like you said, like your son's only three. And she's not even three yet, but it's just, it's amazing how like just at that young age, I I think siblings of special needs just have such compassion that's like built in within them because it's like they, they have to, like, there's no, there's no other choice. So it's like, they just learn to take the road of compassion, which is like such a beautiful thing. It is. It's completely true. With that said, it is hard balancing I spend a lot of time with Logan. Logan yeah. takes up a lot of my time. <laughs> <laughs> and so balancing that, those siblings, making sure they get enough time seems to always be on my mind. And I think also reading this book, um, I when I wrote this book, I was thinking a little bit of my six-year-old because he has a lot of friends that come over to the house. My eight-year-old with autism does not. And um some of his friends have been able to like have seen Logan and I've wanted to explain more and more to Cruz on why we do certain things and how we protect our brother and how we approach conversations that friends have at the house. And so this has been a good opportunity for that too. Mm -hmm. For sure. When, so when you were actually writing the book then, um, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never written a book, so I don't know what goes into that. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine it's a pretty exhaustive process. 
Um, how was that for you? Like in terms of just like fitting that? Cause like you said, like when you have a child on the spectrum, it's like that alone is like a full-time job. So I imagine that would be like pretty difficult to like fit all this in. It was, I, <laughs> you're completely right. I had always <laughs> wanted to write a book. Um, okay. And, so that's what and, I was wondering. Like if you have like a, a background as a writer. Yeah, a little bit. So I did freelance writing for a few companies before I kind of just decided I didn't have enough time. And then funny enough, I decided to write a book, which doesn't quite <laughs> make a sense. But um, I, I did always want to write a book. I always I have a few ideas of other books that I've been working on for years. But you're right, I don't have the time. I have three boys. <laughs> I have one with autism. I have plenty to do. Um, for some reason, I was sitting in the parking lot of my son's school, and this whole entire story of this picture book came into my head. And I remember just like writing as fast as I could because it just all kind of came in. And the storyline really didn't change much after that. I mean, really, I think I changed, um, I did some editing and I changed a few sentences and one of the words, but really everything else was kind of what it was. Wow. Um, and so I felt really called to do this. Every time I kept thinking, I don't have time for this, I just felt like I had to do it and I couldn't get it off of my mind. And um, so I started working on it. It still took me a long time. It took me a year and a half, even with having the story all in kind of one chunk. I still getting all the pages together. All of the illustrations are also created by me. Um, oh, and wow. so that that maybe took the most time <laughs> because um, they're actually photographs that I, I do a lot of photo editing. I used to be a photographer. And um, so I spent time just editing each each photograph. And I went through a lot of different ones that didn't end up in the book. And so um, that took a long time. And then the book is self-published through, I wanted it to look very professional um, but still have kind of that homemade feel that everyone that you like to, you know, that touches your heart. And so mm -hmm. um, that took a while to figure out formatting and to figure out where I was going to be able to sell the book and how that was going to happen. Um, it, it's a process for sure. I now, oh. as an author, realize how hard it is to write a book. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I can only imagine how, how hard it would be. Um, but I think that's so amazing that you, like you said, you felt, you felt called to it and then you completed it. And now it's, it's, we're all able to enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's honestly been an incredible journey and such a relief being able to say I finished it. I did it. Yeah. Um, and it, and, and very rewarding. I've had a lot of people that have been really touched by it. And that just makes me feel so good to know that this um, has helped someone. I, I totally understand that. That's kind of how I felt about the podcast too. Cause it was like something that I, I had this idea for it and then, but I kept just, I, I don't, I didn't know the first thing about starting a podcast. So I was like, um, this is a good idea. But like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and it just, I kept thinking about it. And like you said, I just, I kept having this feeling of like, no, you need to do this. Uh, and then once, once I actually started it, like pretty quickly, I was hearing back from people saying how, how much they were enjoying it and how helpful it was. And then, like you said, it's like, you, you hear that and you're like, oh, this is like, I, I, I'm so glad that I followed my, my gut and I went for it. Cause it's like so rewarding when you, when you get that feedback. 
Exactly. Yeah. There are so many people that want to connect, Mm -hmm. I think, with like, it's so hard to talk about sometimes, but um, being able to explain autism and any difference really and be able to create a connection with other people is awesome. Like it feels so good to know that it's, it's helping someone in even the smallest way. It makes a big difference. So I completely, totally agree with that. Yeah. The connection, I don't know how it is for you, like after your son was diagnosed, but I felt like for like, at least for me, and I think a lot of people that I've spoken to, you, you realize like that there is like an autism community. I'm using air quotes, but it's hard to like access (laughs) that if you don't know how to like get in, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. So I don't know if it felt, yeah. It's isolating because you're right. Like you don't know where to start. You don't know who to, it is, it's very confusing to navigate. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, like at first when Logan was diagnosed, I thought I don't need anyone. Like I wasn't, the person that would go and find a support group either. And so I was like, I'll be fine. And then as time went on, I just, it was really hard to relate with moms that didn't have kids Mm -hmm. with autism or with a disability or something. Um, Someone, you know, I just needed someone that I could relate to. And so then I just found myself clinging on to anything I could find that related Mm -hmm. (laughs) to what I was going through, you know, whether it was a TV show or, you know, a book or whatever it was, I was grabbing onto those things. And from there, luckily, I found a few parents and kind of slowly was able to get, you know, meet people. But it, it is, it's kind of a slow process. And it's not as readily available as maybe it should be. I totally, yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I think that, like, as time goes on, you kind of realize, like, the different avenues of, like, okay, I can, you know, talk to this person or that person. But it is hard, especially in the beginning, and I feel like that's mostly, that's a lot of who I hear from um, with, like, feedback from the podcast is people who are, like, newly diagnosed and just, like, trying to figure everything out and trying to find their footing. I I'm like totally the opposite of you. I like have to talk. Like I, yeah. I wasn't like, I'll just like handle this myself. No, I was like, who can I talk to? So I was like desperately trying to find support groups. And a lot of what, I mean, it, it's just really hard to access these. And a lot of them that I found, at least like for me in my area, they were through like counseling centers and you had to like pay for them. Like it was like, they had like a copay and they worked like through your insurance. And I'm like, Oh wow! anyone that I can just like talk to it just seemed like I'm like there has to be like a better way to do this which is why I initially started looking for a podcast and I just wasn't really able to find one that was like what I was looking for which is why yeah yeah um because this is so neat yeah because I think that like I mean as as an autism parent like we all of our stories are so different and our kids are so different, but it's like, we still all have that like understanding of each other. And it's like, you don't have to like oversimplify things. Like when you're talking to somebody else and you're having to be like, yes, my son is nonverbal. You know what I mean? You have to (laughs) kind of like explain things as you're explaining it, which is just, it's, it's difficult for everybody. But yeah, when you're speaking with another autism parent, even if you don't have the same struggles that they do, even if they're different, you can still relate to them. And it's just like nice to hear other people's experiences. Cause then you're like, okay, I'm not alone. Like we're all dealing with similar situations. Totally. You instantly connect, mm-hmm. which is so, it's very interesting because 
Yeah. I mean, I have some, some of my best friends, um, have kids on the spectrum. Um, but they're nothing like my son. They're very different. They're all very different. And yet somehow we can all get together and talk and we completely relate with each other. Mm -hmm. And there's no, there's nothing that I feel like someone will be scared of that I say, or be not know how to react to (laughs) or judge (laughs) because some, or judge. Yes. Because, you know, I've talked to other parents who are wonderful and it's maybe not their fault that they don't understand it at all, but, um, they do seem scared when I start or they just don't know how to react. Um, and so it's really neat to be able to talk with someone that gets it and that can, can understand completely and not no judgment at all. So I remember like this was a couple years ago. Um, my Logan still has sleep issues. I don't know how, how your son mine does too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's, it's always like up and down. Unfortunately, we're in like a down cycle right now where it has not been good. Um, and this was, this was a couple years ago and we were also in like a down cycle and, a lot of our issue is just like early morning wake-ups. And when I say early morning wake-ups, I mean like four, four thirty. Like, oh, yes. Early. <laughs> so I was talking to um, a neighbor of mine who's a friend and I was just telling her like, oh yeah, I'm so exhausted. I'm like, Logan's waking up so early. And she was like, oh, you know what you should get is one of those alarm clocks that has the light. And you know what? The, he can't leave the room until like the light turns green. And I was just like looking at her and I'm like going cross-eyed. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like trying to make her understand like that is like about as useless to me as like, yeah, yeah there's just, I'm like, <laughs> that's not going to work. Yeah, but yeah. Like, I don't, I didn't even explain that to her. I was just like, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> it's like yeah. useless to even try to like have that conversation. Um, which it sounds like for your son, that maybe would work because he's such a rule follower, <laughs> but well, for mine- he is <laughs> in moments, you know, like he, he has his own idea. He makes his own rules. It's kind of maybe more what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, he does follow, once we set some things and we have like visual schedules in our house and we have a lot of structure and he does really thrive off of that, but he also loves to make his own rules constantly. So <laughs> I it's hard knowing. I get that. Um, so how is his sleep now? I'm just curious. He's doing well right now. Um, but so I don't know for your son, my son is on some medications. He's on melatonin at night for sleep. Mm-hmm. And luckily for him, um, that usually works um, as long as we give it to him at the right time and we kind of there's like a, a little window and yeah. if we can get it at that right time and it works he will sleep through the night Logan's struggle is more falling asleep mm-hmm. he won't wake up as much but he does sleepwalk a lot oh and so that's something we we struggle with at night I have a baby monitor that lets me know like when he's leaving his room and stuff. Cause we have to be careful with that. But um, yeah. Yeah. We do melatonin also it, see, and his struggle is not so much falling asleep. It's more the staying asleep. So we're kind of at the point now where I'm like, okay, are we, we, we've been doing melatonin for a while and it definitely does help him fall asleep. Um, but yeah, we just have this issue with him either, like I said, waking up super early or sometimes he just wakes up in the middle of the night and he's up for like hours at a time. 
and then like he'll fi- yeah. crash again. Um, so it's a lot of like back and forth. We haven't done any like prescription medication yet. I don't know if we're heading down that road. I'm not, I'm totally not against any kind of medication. I'm just also not like, you know, trying yeah. to like throw pills down his throat. Like <laughs> immediately yeah. I'm like, let's see where we can go. But like where we can move through it. Yes. We, we have, it is such a, it's a tricky balance to figure out because we're kind of in that road. And I think that, um, I'm glad we waited. Like, I think we honestly probably started Logan on some medicine, not for sleep, but for other things around six, mm-hmm. I think. And he is now eight and it's a hard, I mean, it doesn't fix everything <laughs> is no. what I would say. Mm-hmm. We, I am glad that we're doing some of the things we are and some of them help, but it also has other side effects that make it complicated always. And I'm not against it or any, you know, I just, we are doing what we can for Logan figuring out what works for him and it's different for every kid. Um, the luckily, yes, the melatonin, he, it does work and he does stay asleep through the night, but we have had to increase the dose constantly to make it work. Mm -hmm. Like we used to stay on such a baby dose and now I just feel like we're constantly having to go up to get it to work at all. Mm -hmm. So it's hard. It's hard knowing what our road will be like in the next few years. If it keeps going this way, I don't know. I was shocked. I went to the grocery store just like yesterday. And when we first started Logan on melatonin, this was like, I think he was honestly like two and it was like a, a very, it was like a really small dose. We actually have, we didn't have to increase his dose for like a long time. We had him on a really low dose for a really long time. And then just recently with these sleep issues, we've, we've started to increase it. Um, but when I first started him, I, I was having a hard time finding, he doesn't, he won't take now at this point, he would totally take like a, a gummy or like a chewy when he was really little, mm-hmm. he wouldn't. So I had to find a liquid melatonin and I had to go to like a special store to get it. And now like at the grocery store, there is liquid melatonin. There is gummies. I even saw melatonin jelly beans at the grocery store. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? And they are the, the like dosage on them is really high. Like we had him on like one milligram for the longest time. And we, we've just started increasing that a bit, but some of them are like 10 milligram in the jelly bean and I'm in the jelly bean. Yes! Wow. <laughs> Like, this is great. So, I mean, just so you know, there, there, it is out there. There are <laughs> options. Yes. No. And that's actually, yeah. Up that door. That's very <laughs> funny. Sorry. That's very funny because, um, Logan also needed the liquid and I had to drive everywhere to find yes. the liquid for so long. Uh-huh. I've now gotten him on the dissolvable. Um, there's like a little dissolvable tablet that he likes cause it's strawberry flavored mm-hmm. and he'll do that one, but it's true. We'll have to <laughs> look out for the jelly beans. The ge- this was like my regular grocery store. Again, I'm like the, you know, Chicago suburbs, but even that too, yeah. the dissolvable, like there, I, I was, I was shocked when I was looking at the grocery store. I'm like, Oh my gosh, melatonin is like blowing up. Like there's so many different forms of it. Now I felt like when I gave it to it, it was like really hush hush. Like, Oh, this is melatonin. Like it was like yeah. something like really like secretive. And now it's like, here's a jelly bean. <laughs> here's a jelly bean. It's exactly. Crazy. Go to bed. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, Hey, whatever works, whatever you have to do. Yes. <laughs> um, sleep is hard. Yeah. We have a serious sleep routine too. I don't know about you, but we have a very, so Logan has this bean bag thing that we actually put in the microwave that is calming to him. He wears it in like a stuffed animal okay. that he holds mm-hmm. and it's warming. And then he has a weighted blanket and he's very 
he's very structured. So he has his own plan of how you need to lay out the blankets Mm -hmm. and he wants them like in a certain order. And then, um, he has a, he's very pampered. It's really kind of silly because (laughs) he also has this nightlight that kind of goes around his room. That's got all these funny colors and just everything you can imagine. We've tried to keep him in that bed (laughs) at night, but we've, we've found some, but we have a similar kind of not I'll have to try the like little warming little bean bag thing. That sounds pretty great. Um, but he has had the same sound machine and nightlight since he was a baby. And I, I had said to my husband recently, I'm like, if this ever like craps out on us, we are screwed because <laughs> he like has to have because it's like a certain sound and the, the nightlight, it's like a projector and it, it used to like spin in a circle. It doesn't even do that now. It just like stays in one spot, <laughs> but it's like, he has to, he, he won't even get into bed until you turn on the sound machine, the projector. And then kind of like your son, like it's like, there's a process to it. So then once we turn that on, then he's like, okay, I'll get into bed. And then kind of a similar, he's not super, super particular about the blankets, but it's like, he wants them like laid out in a certain way on him. Cause he also just recently, we actually got the weighted blanket hoping that it would solve them some things for us. It did not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't like not like it. I think he enjoys it, but it definitely wasn't like a cure all for us. Um but yeah it's like has to be a certain thing. And then when he up until like a few months ago we were able to just like tuck him in, say goodnight. And like I said, like the sound machines on, the light, the blankets, and it was like we could walk out of the room and he would fall asleep, no problem. Now we're at the point where we've been having the sleep issues and my, my husband has been laying with him and typically like with the melatonin, especially since I said we upped his dose, it's not, it's not taking too long, but there, I mean, there was a time like in the recent past where it was taking like an hour for him to fall asleep. And it was like, he, he was just fighting it so hard. And it's like, you know, he's exhausted. I mean, he goes to school all day and then does therapy. And it's like, he's, gotta be so pooped by the end of the day but it's like he just wanted to fight it so hard yeah no I can definitely relate we've had those moments especially yeah sleep is can be a really difficult thing because I also need a minute to be able to get ready for the next day Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like I need to be able to get a few hours of sleep so I can be nice and calm tomorrow yes it's hard so Yeah, no, sleep is definitely, and it's, it's, it really is such a, a common issue in the autism community. So I'm actually glad that we've been able to talk about it. Cause I had someone recently tell me that like, Oh, you should do an episode about sleep. <laughs> yeah. So this no. is something that I know a lot of people, people can relate to. For they sure. do. I will say we do also, I didn't mention it before, but we also do crushed ice. I don't know if your son chews on things or has any mm-hmm. sensory he has a process gooey that he wears. That he okay. Mm-hmm. So Logan also has a chewy too, and he does like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But at night we've, (laughs) we'll give him a cup of ice, like just really soft ice that he Mm -hmm. can just chew on. And for some reason that sometimes does the trick on keeping him in his bed long enough for, you know, the melatonin, that window I said to start working, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't always work. But for Logan, he just constantly feels like he needs that sensory input too. Mm -hmm. So I've never I've never tried that before I feel like he would probably really enjoy that because he loves chomping on things <laughs> yeah so yeah ice would be like I I, I always I try, I've talked about this before in the podcast but he's like a candy 
freak. And when I say that, like, everyone's like, oh, my kid loves candy. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you don't understand. Like, this kid needs a 12-step program. He's a junkie. But when when I have when any suckers, or like, especially, like, obviously the holidays are over now, but, like, candy canes, he he does not suck on anything. He just, like, chomps on it like a little woodland creature. He just cannot help himself. But the ice would maybe be a good thing because I'm like, okay, here, you could chomp on this. And I'll just let you yeah. But I'm always afraid he's going to break his teeth because he's just like so aggressively chomping on these things. So we have that same issue. That's very funny. Logan loves, I know, the the suckers or candy canes are gone in like three licks like that commercial, you know, the Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tootsie Pop. Yeah, he's done. He just Mm -hmm. eats them. He doesn't lick them at all or suck on them. Um, We actually invested at some point because Logan has always loved ice, too. And so he would grab the cubes out of our freezer and the dentist said he's going to ruin his teeth because he just does that all day long. So we now actually have a soft ice machine. So it makes those little tiny soft pebble ices, ice pieces. Okay. And that's what we use. And he just has cups and cups a day. It isn't the cure-all because when we leave the house he can't have them and so then we have the chewy tubes and we do have the candy and we have whatever else we need to get through whatever you know wherever we're going yeah but but at home the ice has saved us in a lot of ways so that I'm gonna suggest that to my husband because that would be (laughs) I think that yeah our Logan would probably really like that yeah he just like I'm I'm when I when someone gives him if we go somewhere and there's like suckers or yeah, the candy canes, I am just like cringing. So I'm like, Oh my God, you're just going to break your teeth off. Yeah. It's like the worst, he- like to hear the sound of it. I'm like, Oh gosh. Like that's just my husband and I like cringe. We went to a, a holiday party at my neighbor's and they had like a big bowl of just the mini candy canes. And he got one and I was like, you have to put these away. I'm like, these will be gone. This entire bowl will be gone in like 30 seconds with my son. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's like, there. yeah, there's, there's no stopping him. Once he's like on the warpath for candy, like that's it. He's done. <laughs> just devour it. Yes. Completely. Totally. Um, well, this has been so much fun to chat with you, Catherine. Yes. Thank you. This has been awesome. I um, hope that I was helpful or. <laughs> yeah. You definitely were. You really were. Do you want to share? Um, well, first, when people can find your book, where's where that? Yes. Yeah, so my book's on Amazon. It should be easy to find if you type in Inclusion Alphabet by Katherine Jenkins. You sh- it should come right up. So where I ordered it and it was super easy. So <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So everybody go, go get the book. And then where can people connect with you? So I'm on Instagram at inclusion underscore project. Inclusion project is actually my business name. And if you're a Utah local, I also do, I do meet and greets. I talk to people about inclusion, which I really enjoy um, locally. But you also can find me on Facebook if you type on and type in inclusion project and my posts come up there too. Wonderful. Okay. And I will like, tag you know all that when I when I post post this episode but again thank you so much Catherine of course thank you all right you take care take care bye bye okay well I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Catherine I just think that she is amazing she is such a wonderful mother and her book is honestly just such an inspiring and beautiful story with a beautiful message and a very important message at that. So 
definitely check that out. Um, Catherine and I are actually going to be doing a little giveaway. So if you want to hop on over to Instagram and follow me at Adventures in Autism Pod, we will be sharing that. So definitely be on the lookout. Um, if you want to connect with me on Facebook, my Facebook is Adventures in Autism Podcast, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, thank you so much to everybody who has reached out and sent messages. I, I love connecting with you guys. And again, thank you so much to everyone who's written reviews, especially on Apple Podcast. <laughs> they really do help people to find the show. So if you're enjoying the show, please go ahead and leave a review. And again, check out my uh, interview on Miraculous Mamas. It was a really fun, fun episode to do. And that is all for now. So until next time, take care. Thank you.